Doesn't that just make you sick how talented some people are? Want to know what my talent is, Mark? Talking. I, I talk good. Like, thank you, God, for my talent. Um, uh, well, hey, welcome. My name is uh, my name's Stephen. My wife, Ash, and I, we are the youth pastors here. I'm pumped to be sharing tonight. I'm wearing the Britney Spears mic for the very first time. And um, i got to say, I'm feeling fabulous in this thing. I got like... Jono, you wear this every week. Like, I feel like one of the Backstreet Boys in this thing. It's, um, it's going to be fun. Um, but hey, as the guys said, we are finishing our series, What God is Like, where we've been talking all about that very thing. What is God like? How do we get to know God? We've talked about some of the characteristics of God. We've talked about how we can grow in our faith. And ultimately, our goal for the series has been that those of us who don't know who Jesus is, would know the real Jesus, and those of us who do know who Jesus is would know the real Jesus, okay? That's that's our goal for the series, and my goal tonight is simply just to give you a next step. You know, we've we've heard these things, we've we've heard about God, what now? What what do you do with this information? And uh, I'm really excited to share tonight, I'm really believing it's going to help you in your faith, no matter where you're at in your journey, and I want to begin the evening by asking, have you ever had an eye-opening experience before? Like, have you ever had one of those moments where your mind has just been blown? Like, you were like, what have I witnessed? Like, do you remember when you were a kid and someone did, like, the, the, the finger trick? Like, one of those ones, right? And you were just like, what? Am I watched? Like, are you a wizard? Like, even some of you now are like, did you see that? Like, how, how did he do that? I want to talk tonight about having eye-opening experiences and... Uh, Uh, Probably for me, one of the most memorable eye-opening experiences I have had in my life was back when I was in high school, when my eyes were open to how dumb I truly was, okay? Um, Like, don't get me wrong, I had some good seasons in high school, like I was pretty good, but most of the time it was like sport and Xbox, grades will be okay. Uh, I was, was, you know, I was not intelligent. Um, But I remember in senior high school, I elected to do a class called chemistry. And now as I say that word chemistry, I think we all collectively just threw up in our mouths because it's, it's not a fun word and it's not a fun subject. But, you know, come on, I thought that I would be doing experiments in every class and I would be watching Bill Nye the Science Guy every week. Am I right? Like that's, that's what I thought. I was wrong. Okay, that's the, the opposite of that is what happened. And um, I remember I, uh, I used to get probably, you know, definitely, I got the worst grades in the class. The worst grades in the class. C minus was my usual grade. C plus if I was killing it. Like if I was, if I was crushing it, C plus. And I remember uh, it was at the, the end of grade 12, we had uh, some exchange students come over from overseas. It was awesome. And I quickly discovered that in our class, the exchange students, no matter where they were from in the world, they were smarter than us. They were absolute weapons, okay? They were geniuses. So I figured to myself, okay, it's the final exam. I want to get a good grade. Like, let's do this. So I, I decided that I, I was going to sit next to one of the exchange students on the next exam and ace the test. And yes, I know oh my gosh, he cheated. Yes, shamefully, I did, but it's chemistry. I mean, like, what are you going to do? And uh, so anyway, the exam comes, and I, I find myself sitting next to one of these exchange students, and I'm like, jackpot, let's go. And uh, anyway, the teacher is up the front, and she says, begin. And so I begin to look over to the exchange student and what he's doing. And as I'm looking over, I notice something. I noticed that as I was looking over at him, he was looking over at me. And before I could even get a word out, he leant over to me and he said, do you know the answer to the first question? 
I had sat next to the only exchange student in the entire school that wasn't a teenage scientist, okay? Like, so I had to do the exam myself. Yes, I know my life was tough, um, but I had to do the exam myself. And at the end of the term, our teacher, she was a bit of a savage, okay? She read out the grades to the class, okay? She read out the grades. She went through the role and she read them out. And uh, she's going through the role. And as she gets to my name, she says, Stephen, C+. Nailed it. Okay, like that one is going on the fridge. Mum and dad are going to be proud. And, uh, and, and then they get to the next person for the sake of the story. Let's call him Tom. Um, Tom, C minus. And at that moment, there was a collective, and no word of a lie, you cannot make this up. At that moment, every single person in the entire class turned to me, they stood to their feet, and they started clapping. They gave me a standing ovation. I swear, the teacher, come on, she started clapping. I swear, I saw a tear in her eye. All those years of university, finally worth it. You know, like she, like everyone is clapping. And I'm like, I started to feel really good about myself. I stood up myself. I was like, come on, like, come on, we can do better than that. Like, give it up for me. Like, I'm amazing. C plus, that doesn't just happen. You know, like, man, I, I crushed it. Keep giving it up. And then I was really feeling good about myself until I looked at the person who got a worse grade than me. And I got to tell you, I have never seen a more defeated person in my entire life. Like the look on his face was not, was not anger. It was not sadness. It was just pure, like, like pure confusion. Like he had the look of someone who had been questioning all of their life choices up until this point. It was hilarious. And I uh, never saw him again. He dropped out of school the next day, but uh, it was quite sad. Um, no, he didn't, but that would have been funny. Um, but my eyes were opened very early on to my lack of brain smarts, we could call it. And uh, I, uh, I, was, I had an eye-opening experience, and that's why I married a genius who could bring home the bacon for me. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Um, but no, that's not why I married her. That sounds bad. Um, she's great in other things too. Um, I'm just going to like, yeah, anyway, I'm sleeping, on the, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. That's been decided. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Um, so... I had an eye-opening experience, and tonight, tonight I want to want to finish the series by giving you a next step. No matter where you're at in your faith, I want to talk about having an eye-opening experience with Jesus. Now, I want to want to tell you a story about a guy or two people in the Bible who had an eye-opening experience. Now, it's going to come up on the screen. At this point in time, Jesus had died and risen from the dead, but no one knew he'd risen from the dead. That's what had happened so far, and these two people, these two followers of Jesus who were previously unknown in the story of Jesus. We'd never heard of them. We didn't know their names at this point. We, we'd never heard anything. These two followers of Jesus, they were, they were leaving Jerusalem where it happened, and they were on a seven-mile journey back to their hometown when Jesus interrupts their walk. And this is what it says. As they talked and discussed these things, meaning the death of Jesus, with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along the road? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas. Now pause. These two previously unknown followers of Jesus, we find out one of their names is Cleopas. And uh, we're going to give him a nickname for tonight. I bet his friends probably called him Cleo. Um, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, hanging out 
but clear. Now, please see, please see the humor in this. Now, this is the first thing Jesus does when he rises from the dead. Like Jesus doesn't go see an emperor. He doesn't go see a king. He doesn't even go see his family. Jesus Christ, after the most significant event in human history, risen from the dead, defeated sin and death, he conquered the grave. He became savior of the world. First thing he does is hang out with a guy who sounds like a cat, okay? And I can say that it's not mean. I used to have a cat named Cleo, okay? But don't ever think that you're insignificant, please, because this is Jesus' first action after he rises from the dead. And it goes on, our friend Cleo asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on. Back up, back up, back up. Jesus just said, what things? Like he just said, what things? Like Jesus, what, what do you mean what things? The things happened to you. What do you mean what things? It's, it's almost as if Jesus rocked up on earth. He died. He rose from the dead. And apparently to him, that's just another day in the office. Like, please see how gangster that response was. Like, that is the most gangster thing I've ever heard. Like, Jesus said, what things? Like, hey, Jesus, what'd you get up to today? oh, you know, I just died and I rose from the dead and saved all of humanity. How about you? Vacuumed my carpet. Like, what, how can you compete with that? Like, what, what things? But Jesus said, what things? As if to say, hey, those things happened to me and they were crazy. But do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Like, what things? What tragedy? What death? What circumstance? I think Jesus was saying, what things? As if to say, hey, Those things might have been big. Those things might have been crazy, but I've overcome them, which means you have too. What things? Jesus said, what things? See, so many of us, we shrink God down to our circumstances and what happens to us, right? And we say things like, well, you know, maybe it's just a season I'm in. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe God's a little mad at me. Maybe I messed up. Maybe this is all God has for me. But Jesus is here saying, what things? As if to say, what you see isn't necessarily what you got. He's saying, what things? And I believe he's saying the same thing to you tonight. Jesus is saying, what things? Come on, I know you might be going through something, but what is going on around you that is greater than who's standing next to you? Well, let me say that again. He's saying, come on, what is happening? What are you experiencing in your life that could even come close to comparing to who's with you through every step of the way? Jesus is saying, what things? Like those things that you're dealing with, they're significant. They're important. They're difficult. But come on, if they're not God, they don't define you. I'll say that again. If they're not God, they don't define you. What things? Oh, I got to calm down. This is still the intro. Jesus said, what things? And then we go on to the next slide. We go on to the next slide. Great job. (laughs) And Cleo replies about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people in the world. So what's happening right now is our friend Cleo is telling Jesus about Jesus. And what's hilarious is Jesus lets him. He lets him continue. And then they go on. We'll chuck up the next slide. They go on. They continue. They walk. They get to the town where Cleo and his friend lived, and Jesus goes to walk on. He goes to leave them when they said, hold, hold, hold on, stranger. We've only been walking with you for seven miles. Come have dinner. And Jesus says, yes. Jesus, these people have been venting to Jesus for seven miles. And they said, hey, can we just vent to you for another few hours? And he says, yes. Jesus has a lot of patience for our problems. But we finish the story, and this is the conclusion. He says, when When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, 
broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Everyone say opened. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then their eyes were opened. What is God like? How do we sum God up? What's on God's resume? Well, I think if this story tells us anything, it's that you and I are forever going to be figuring that out. And I think that's exciting. I actually think that's awesome. See, these two followers, they had been with Jesus for potentially years, yet they still got to a moment where they had their eyes open yet again to who Jesus was. You and I are forever going to be discovering what God is like. So what do I mean by having an eye-opening experience? Because, you know, I, I get having my eyes opened when I start following Jesus, sure. And, I, you know, maybe when I get to heaven, sure, I have my eyes open. But like, what about in between there? Like, I kind of thought I was just supposed to get better at stuff, mess up less. You know, that's just life. Well, I really do believe that Jesus wants to give you an eye-opening experience continually in your life. And I'm going to try to demonstrate this. Now, please forgive me. I've been going to the gym for about a month now consistently. So I, I naturally, I had to have a gym exercise. And by the way, I've been going to the gym for a month. I haven't seen any results. No, no, don't clap for that. I should look like Dwayne Johnson by now. Instead, I just look like me. Like, I've, I've, you know, people keep telling, oh, Stephen, you've got to change your diet as well. I'm like, what? I work out so I can eat. I'm not giving up both. Like, what kind of life is that? Anyway, I'm, I'm probably starting to see the problem here. But like, I, um, I started working out a month ago um, and uh, I discovered something. I discovered Uh, that when you first start lifting weights, and if you've lifted weights, you would know this, when you first start lifting weights, it's death, okay? Like, it's, um, it's like your body is saying, like, you know, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, we did not sign up for this, back away, right? But it's exciting, and it shocks your muscles, it shocks them into action, right? You get excited. Yeah, can we get a close-up on these? No. Cameron, don't zoom in that much. Um, but, no, that's embarrassing. Uh, take it away. I just realized that, yeah, there's no bicep there. It's just, it's just bone. Um, but see, when you first start going to the gym, it's exciting. It shocks your muscles into action, right? It surprises your body. And you know what's crazy? It's actually the same when we start faith, right? Like everything in faith, you begin, oh man, it's exciting. Like it's like, it's impacting. Oh, I'm going to go to church. Oh, amazing. Go on a connect group. So good. Every message impacting and, it, and it's exciting. Everything transforms you. It's amazing, right? But eventually, come on, we get to a point where it becomes a little less exciting. We get to a point where the same things that used to excite us no longer actually do it. You know, it's, it's like we've grown. We've gotten stronger. It's amazing. So the weight that we're carrying is not enough anymore. It's something called, and in the gym, it's something called a workout plateau, right? It's when you, you're working out and you get, strong, you get stronger than the weights, essentially. And you're lifting, and it's like, okay, well, okay, this is my 500 rep, so, like, I should probably do something, right? So it's called a workout plateau, and the same thing happens with our faith. We get to a point where the, the things that used to get us excited no longer get us excited, and um, what we would call that in, in life and in the church world and faith is becoming overly familiar, right? And we know overly familiar, been there, done that, heard that before. Come on, I already knew that. Oh, this one's a little bit too basic for me. You know, we've all been there. Come on, grace, love, forgiveness, mercy, blah, blah, blah. I get it, okay? Jesus loves me. Like, okay, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but am I though? Like, you know, we've, we've all been there. 
we become overly familiar. And you know, it's crazy. Actually, actually this happens in, in life as well. I recently discovered this in my marriage. Um, now, Ash is perfect, but she has to live with me. Um, and that's a fun thing. Um, but we were hanging out the other day and uh, we were uh, on the couch. Ash was uh, eating something in a bowl. I don't know, cereal, let's say, porridge, I don't know. And uh, she was watching Netflix on her iPad. Now, I was next to her playing the Xbox, okay? This is like date day right there, uh, you know. Um, and we're, we're doing our thing, okay, being romantic. Um, and I'm playing my game and Ash, I'm closest to the table and closest to the sink. So Ash finishes her food and, and she goes to hand me the bowl. And I, I kind of see her in the corner of my eye. And, and, and what you got to realize, okay, before you judge me, what you got to realize is like, I was playing my game, okay? Like, <laughs> And, and that's, that's like a spiritual thing for a man, okay? Like I was playing my game. And so I see the bowl coming over and I kind of just glanced at her. And I said, bowls go in the sink, honey. I don't have an Xbox anymore. She destroyed it. But see, here's this thing. Four years ago, when we, when we first started dating, when we first started hanging out, there was a point where I stayed up all night to help Ash with an assignment that she was working on so that she wouldn't be stressed and so that I could impress her. Now, the ironic thing is it was a chemistry assignment, but she didn't know my past, so it was fine. She failed. No. Um, but I stayed up all night just to impress her. Four years later, she asked me to put a bowl in the sink, and I act like I'm being persecuted. Oh, my life is so tough. It's so far away. Don't say I don't do anything for you. Right? She is so lucky to have me, by the way. You see, the same thing happens with our faith. We get overly familiar. We get too comfortable. And see, when you're in the gym... And, you know, you've been working out for long enough or a month and nothing happens. What do you do? You increase the weight. And what happens is it shocks your body all over again. Your body gets an eye-opening experience all over again. It transforms. It grows. And that's the goal. So what do you do when that weight becomes too easy as well? You go to the next level. You go to the next level. You know, I think I've made my point. Let's just... um, I've only been gone for a month, guys. Come on. (laughs) Oh, lol. You see, Jesus wants to open your eyes yet again to who he is. And the definition of having your eyes open in this context is to open what was previously closed, to activate what was previously inactive, to reveal what was previously unknown. Jesus wants to open your eyes yet again. He wants to take your life and your faith to a deeper level to the next weight. He wants to open your faith to experience Him in a whole new way. And I don't know about you, but I have found myself far too often settling for the smaller weight. I've found myself far too often being content with where my faith is at. I've found myself far too often settling for just enough. Come on, you know just enough. Just enough Jesus to get me by. Just enough joy to see me through. Just enough purpose to keep me interested. Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, not that great. How you doing? Oh, surviving. Or, or we, you know, we pretend like it's the other way around, right? Like, hey, how you doing? I'm great. How you doing? Good, fantastic, blessed, highly favored. Not today, Satan. Like we, we do, we settle. I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say that to someone, but like, you know, maybe you do. <laughs> Thank you. We settle for the smaller weight when God is saying, come on, you have grown. You're stronger now. You're further along. It's time to pick up the heavier weight. Let me take you deeper. God has got more in store for us. And come on, if you've been following Jesus for long enough, you would have experienced this before, right? Even if you don't follow Jesus, I bet you would have experienced this in your life. You know, same job, day in, day out, day in, day out. Go to uni, study, sleep, repeat, 
Save, pay bills, save, pay bills, save, pay bills. We settle for what life throws at us or for where we're at. And we say to ourselves, well, hey, that's just the way things are. That's just life. I'm sorry, but I don't think that that's all God has in store for you and I. I don't think that that's all life has for us. I think God's got more. Come on, did you know that you can actually have an eye-opening experience every single day of your life? You can have an eye-opening experience of Jesus every single week at church. You can listen to the same message three times in one day and get something different out of it each and every time. Did you know that you can get excited in church? Do you know that? You know, you can get excited when the person speaking says something really good. You know, you can get excited when the person speaking says something really good. Yeah, thank you. Did you know that you can have purpose in your job? You can have purpose in your uni. You can have purpose in your day-to-day. You can pick up a bigger weight every single day. You can have your eyes open to how amazing Jesus is every single day. And our friend Cleo has learned something that I want to learn in my life. He learned something I think we all need to learn. He learned not to be content with where his faith was at. Because you see, he was walking with Jesus for seven miles and then Jesus goes to carry on and he says, hold on, hold on a minute. Seven miles, is that all you've got? I think you've got more in store for me than that, God. I want more of you. So what am I saying tonight? I'm saying, yes, be thankful. Yes, be happy. Yes, be grateful for where God has brought you so far. But don't be content with where your faith is at when God has so much more in store for you. Jesus wants to open our eyes. And I think that's really important. God's got more for us. And I think that's really important. God has got more in store for us than we realize. He's got better in store for us than we realize. Come on, on your best day, God has better. On your worst day, God has better. God has better. And come on, we don't have a stagnant faith. We don't have a mundane faith. We have an exciting faith. We have a moving faith. We have a growing faith. And Jesus is waiting to give it to us. So why why is this important? Why why listen to any of this? Well, I actually really believe, you know, I've been around uh, faith and church life for about six years and honestly believe that so many of us are only just scraping the surface of knowing what God is like and what our lives could be like with Him. So many of us are scraping the surface. Come on, if, if, if you are yet to put your trust in Jesus, if you're yet to follow Him, imagine what your life could be like if you could have peace whenever you needed it. Imagine what your life could be like if you could have purpose even in the mundane joy in any circumstance, strength when you're faced with difficulty, hope whenever you needed it. Imagine that. And if you follow Jesus, imagine what your life would look like if you actually access that. And hey, hey, uh, maybe you do. Maybe you do access that a lot. I know I don't. No way near as much as I should. Half the time, it's like 4 p.m. before I remember I'm a Christian. Oh, Jesus, better pray. Oh, sorry. Right? (laughs) But God's got more. He's got so much more. Does anyone here remember the Nokia phone. Who used to, anyone used to own a Nokia phone? Oh my goodness, so good. Um, these Nokia phones, they were my favorite. Okay, because Nokia phones were absolute weapons. Okay, they were indestructible. You could run over them with a truck and the truck would break. Like that's how, like if, if you're going to fight with someone, they whipped out a Nokia, game over. Like it's done, right? These things were indestructible, but come on, who knows that the best thing and the most useful thing to do on a Nokia phone, and we all did this, play Snake. Come on, right? We all did this. It was amazing. (laughs) Snake. But you see, now now we have these iPhones, unless you have a Samsung, in which case you need to repent. Um, Jesus still loves you, just not as much. (laughs) Whoa, 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 too far. Um, 
But we have these smartphones, okay? We have these smartphones, and we have access to just about anything and everything on the planet. We have access to all these things. We have access to peer-reviewed journals, scientific articles, gym workouts, uh, cooking recipes, social media, you name it, you can find it on this thing, right? We have access to this thing. But out of the, the two hours or so I'd spend on my phone each day, I'd say I'd probably spend about an hour and 45 minutes of that scrolling through Instagram, trying to figure out if Facebook can hear my conversations, right? Like we've all been there, haven't we? I, the other day I spent half an hour going pizza, 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 ad for Domino's. I knew it. Get out of my head, Facebook. Like, this is not a joke. Like, this is how I spend my time. I might as well still have a Nokia, okay? I might as well still be playing Snake. <laughs> you see, we do, the crazy thing is, we do the exact same with our faith and with our life. We have access to the creator of the universe, to the almighty, all-powerful God, but most of the time, I'll only go to him when I need something. We have access to the greatest community on the planet, but most of the time, oh, I'm a little bit busy, maybe next week. See, what I've discovered in my six years in being a follower of Jesus is that most of us have a Nokia faith when our God has an iPhone capacity. <laughs> most of us have a Nokia faith when our God has an iPhone capacity, don't we? So many of us are just scraping the surface when God wants to give us peace. He wants to give us hope, joy, purpose, forgiveness. We could have access to life and life abundantly, but we settle for snake. We settle for less. Come on, God has got more in store for you. We need to start having an iPhone capacity faith. We need to have our eyes open yet again to who Jesus is. And Jesus invites us to do just that. Now I'm going to finish up in just a moment because I had a workout pretty exhausted. But I want to finish on something practical because I think I actually think this is more than just a nice little message where you watch me lift weights and feel bad for my wife. You know, I think I I think this is a I think this is something that could actually transform your life. I think this is something that could transform your Monday, transform your Tuesday, maybe even your Wednesday. But I want to finish with something practical. And we're going to chuck up the next slide. We just read it before. It's, a, it's the same story, but you've got to catch this. This is amazing. It says, when he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? See, it wasn't until... They sat down with Jesus for their eyes were actually open. You see, it's, a, it's amazing that we go to church. It really is. It's amazing we can listen to a podcast on the way to work. It's amazing we have a Bible app on our phone. All these things are great. But when they sat down with Jesus, when they sat down with him, their understanding of him went to a whole new level. And hey, maybe it, maybe it was the meal, the breaking of bread that gave it away. Maybe it was the scars on his hands that told them that, hey, this was Jesus. Whatever it was that gave it away, the real reason why their eyes were open was because they were close to Jesus. They were close. They got the full experience at the table. They were close to him. You see, they knew him. They, well, they knew about him. They knew what had happened to him. But when they got close to him, when they had a conversation with him, when they sat face to face with him, they knew him. Like Mark said before, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know Jesus. And maybe you've been following Jesus for a while. Or maybe this is your first time ever in a church. Wherever you're at, Jesus invites you 
to be close with Him. Sure, life can be busy. Don't get me wrong, I get that. Life is busy. Work is crazy. Uni is hectic. We've got to worry about bills and study and, and relationships and the future. And all these things can keep us so overwhelmed. They keep us so busy. But we have access to the God that holds our future in the palm of His hands. We have access to a life-giving, mountain-moving Savior that is waiting. He is waiting for you to come close to Him because when you draw near to God, oh, He draws near to you. He's waiting. God wants to open your eyes yet again. Stop settling for the Nokia when you have access to the iPhone. Stop settling for the five kilos when God's saying you're ready for the 10. Stop dipping your foot in the water when God is inviting you to dive in. Jesus wants to open your eyes to how great He is, to how much He's got in store for you. He wants to open your eyes yet again. And again, and again, and again. The only question is, and this is what I'll leave you with. The question is, will you sit at the table with Jesus? so that He can open your eyes yet again? Will you sit at the table with Jesus? He wants to be close with you. And He's sitting at the table waiting. All you have to do is pull out a chair and take a seat. Maybe for you, that looks like rearranging your schedule a little bit. Maybe it looks like shifting some priorities. Maybe it looks like before the busyness of the day gets ahead of you, the first thing you're doing, the first thing is spending time with Jesus sitting at the table Maybe it's to be at Connect Group more. Maybe it's to whatever that might be for you. Jesus wants you to be close and he's waiting. All you have to do is take a seat and your eyes will be open yet again, yet again, yet again. Say goodbye to the mundane faith, the average faith, the same thing day in, day out. It's the most exciting adventure we could ever go on. All we have to do is take a seat with Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.